I'd like to introduce our lead pastor, Pastor Joe Source. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Brian. Praise God. Hallelujah. So glad that you're here tonight. Especially Memorial Day weekend. Look at all of you here. This is awesome. It's great. Yeah, go ahead. Give yourself a hand. I think every pastor on a holiday weekend gears, girds themselves up to like, is anybody going to show up? So we're grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're here because I believe the message that I have tonight is a timely one. I believe it's something that is going to uh, uh, heal some things on the inside. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start off with a word, and that word is shalom. Can you say that? Can you say that? Shalom. Okay. We're, we're familiar with that word. Uh, many of us understand it to be a greeting. However, when we speak of it in a biblical context, um, it's more related to the idea of wholeness, that word shalom. I understand we live in a community where uh, we use a lot of Jewish words, a lot of Yiddish words we don't even realize sometimes. And many times we use that word shalom, shalom, okay? But we don't really understand the biblical context of it until you really get into the word and study what does that mean when someone says shalom in the biblical context. It's more related to the idea and the concept of being whole, wholeness. Wholeness can be defined as the state of being complete, unbroken, undamaged, and well-preserved. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary also adds this definition. The condition of being sound in body, the quality or state of being without restriction, without exception, without qualification, not divided or disjointed. Now, here's what I want to kind of get into our hearts before we get into the actual teaching part. I believe in speaking positively about ourselves. I believe in the concept of positive confession of the Word of God, speaking what the Word of God says about us. And in that context, I'm, I'm being very careful with my words because I don't want anybody to walk out of here tonight saying that Pastor Joe spoke negative things over us. But in order for you to grab a hold of what God says about us, you have to have a realistic appraisal of your own life. Does that sound, does that sound reasonable? Okay. And the truth of the matter is this. We're not in heaven yet. Did you realize that? Yes. Okay, now our spirit, if you're born again, your spirit is born again, right? Yes. Your spirit is perfect in the eyes of God, yes? Yes. And you also understand, for the sake of those that maybe are newcomers here, you also understand we are tripart in nature. We are triune, just like God, okay? God exists in triune nature. Is God the Father? God the Son. God the you guys are good at this thing. Let's do it again. God the And we're created in his image and likeness, right? And so created in his image and likeness, we are spirit. Because God created us in his spirit. Jesus said, God is spirit and wants those that worship him to worship him in spirit. Yes? We have a soul, right? Okay, and that soul varies from person to person. That soul will vary 
from season to season in your life. I doubt very much if your soul is in the same condition as it was when you were 10 years old. Okay, you've grown, you've experienced life, you've been exposed to things, both good and bad. And so your mindset now is, I hope it's very different than it was when you were 10 years old. Your body is your body, of course, it has grown, it's gone through, it's morphed, it's gone through all kinds of different things. And thank God that we have a glorified body to look forward to in the future. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. But here's what I want to talk about tonight. Our spirit is perfect in God, yes? Yes. But our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions, they're still broken. And I can hear somebody saying, well, that that sounds pretty negative. No, I'm, I'm just stating a fact. Now, you may not be as broken as you were years ago, and I hope you're as broken as you're ever going to be. But the fact of the matter is, our souls are broken. The way our minds work, the way our emotions sometimes get out of control, uh, our will changes from season to season, depending on the information that we're exposed to. You may be very willing to... Um, um, Conduct yourself a certain way now that maybe you were not willing years ago. And, and some people, it goes the opposite. You were very unwilling to conduct yourself in a certain way. And now you're very willing to conduct yourself in a way that maybe doesn't bring glory to God and maybe doesn't help you. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. We, we are in different stages of brokenness. Let me flip that around. We are in different stages of becoming whole. But you see, you can't become whole until you recognize there's brokenness, okay? And, and, you know, we're all at some stage in our life uh, damaged. Some stages of our life, in some stages of our life, we've suffered more in certain areas than we have in others. Have I made my point? Yes. Okay. And it seems like that we collectively, as the human race, has been on this search for wholeness, for shalom, biblical shalom, ever since man experienced brokenness in the Garden of Eden. That's when brokenness hit us in the Garden. We took on nature that we should not have as extended all the way until this day. And, you know, you can go to Barnes and Nobles. There's thousands of books. You can go on Amazon. Thousands of books sold every year to try to keep, help people bring stability back into their lives. And this is going on all over the world. It's not just here. Now, I want you to, to really think about what I'm about to share with you. Because the biggest problem for mankind is that all we've known is brokenness. And we've tolerated it for so long that many of us don't even see it. So we think it's normal. Okay? There, there is a normal, there, there are many of us that as soon as we become of age to be able to really figure some things out about life, we have an automatic expectation that life is going to be, is going to include some disappointments, is going to include some tragedies, it's going to include some sadness, it's going to include things that don't go the way that we originally wanted them to go. And we need to recognize that. But you see, we as mankind, 
We think this is the way God planned it, and it is the furthest thing from the truth. But we're so used to living this way. We're so used to things not going the way we want them to. We're so used to being disappointed by people or by circumstances. We're so used to that, so we think, well, this is just the way it's going to be, and it's normal. I want you to say this with me. It's not normal. It's not normal. Okay, let me give you this illustration. Think about this. Think if you grew up in a majorly dysfunctional home. Now, I say majorly because I don't know that there's a family that exists anymore that's not dysfunctional. Okay, I, I don't think that we can really, but, but let's just think about if you grew up in a majorly dysfunctional home, dysfunctional home. If all you've ever known was a mom or a dad or both who, which were involved in or who were involved in some type of substance addiction or verbal, physical, or sexual abuse. Now, this is the house you're born into, okay? And I pray to God, nobody in this room falls into that category, but just imagine that. You're born into this thing, this is all you know. You don't know anything else. You think everybody else is living in the same craziness that you're living in. And so you, you don't even think about, hey, there's got to be a different way. There's got to be a better way. Until you go visit a friend's house. And that friend's family has a fairly decent level of stability. And you think to yourself, all of a sudden you're shocked. Because you're like, well, what? wait a minute. This family, the parents aren't drunk all the time or high. They're not always screaming at each other and demeaning each other. You mean, did people live like this? This actually, you could live like this? And you see, that's what happens when we come from living the old life that we lived and we come into this relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, our eyes are open like, uh, wait a second. Not everybody lives with craziness in their home? There is a way? You mean that this isn't God's plan? I mean, it wasn't God's intention for me to grow up in a home where I'm getting slammed all the time, getting beat up all the time, getting demeaned all the time. Everybody's drunk. There's, there's poverty. There's misery. There's depression. If all you ever know is that, then you think that's normal, and you don't even look for, for the light at the end of the tunnel because you think everybody else is that way. You think everybody else's life is that way. But then you come into this relationship. You start reading the word. You start experiencing the love of God. You start experiencing the mercy of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God. And you start to, something lights up on the inside. And you start thinking to yourself, you mean to tell me I can change this? Even though my great-grandfather was a drunk or my grandparents were drunks or my parents were drug addicts. There's sexual abuse all through these generations. You finally on the inside go, wow, there's hope. Could you imagine the culture shock? Could you imagine the shock to your emotions? To think, wow, everybody's not living nuts like this. Are you, are you getting the picture? This is what mankind has lived like since Adam and Eve fell. We think this is the way it's always going to be, but it's not because everybody that Jesus came in contact with, he took them out of all that crazy dysfunction. He gave them hope for the future. He told them their hearts could change, their nature could change. And I would imagine there would have been some of those people that said, oh, Lord, you don't realize what kind of family I come from. 
You don't realize what I've grown up in. You don't realize what my family background's like. But it's cut in Jesus' name. Amen. But if you don't have any hope to even look for the light at the end of the tunnel, then you will live in dysfunction. You will live without shalom. You will live without wholeness and go to your grave that way. Now, you're going to go to heaven, but there is some measure of heaven that we're supposed to experience here. Amen. Yes or no? Yes. You start craving shalom. You start craving to become complete, unbroken, undamaged, well-preserved. And Jesus came to reveal himself as restorer, to restore that which has been stolen from us, the stability of our hearts, the stability of our souls, the stability of our emotions. You know, as receiving pastoral training, when I was in Bible school, we had an opportunity, those of us that were in the pastors group had the opportunity to go for some extracurriculum um, training. And one of those was, I had the opportunity to go to a 10 or 12 week program uh, once a week at night um, to go to one of the premium, top of the line counseling centers in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they trained us. And basically what they trained us to do as pastors is to recognize when one of your church members needs more professional help than you can give them, which has been a problem in the church for decades. Because some pastors don't want to let somebody go. Some pastors want them to, no, you stay with me because I'm your hero, I'm your Messiah, I'm your Jesus, I'm going to be the one. And listen, God has anointed individuals to deal with the way we think the way our emotions. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that they taught us is when you see someone having an emotional response to, an, to a situation, a situation that would require this much of an emotional response, if you see someone getting this much of an emotional response, that is a key that there's something broken in the soul and there's something broken in their ability to be able to manage their emotions. And at that point, you do the person a disservice if you keep them only in pastoral counseling. That individual needs to go someplace where the people are not only trained, but anointed of God to deal with. That's a whole science in itself, how we think, how we process things, how we process the tragedies of life. Are you listening to me? Yes. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Jesus came to restore, to restore the wholeness, to restore the shalom, to restore that stability that mankind originally had in the garden. And so the search for wholeness at times, especially when you've gotten glimpses of it, I'm not, I really pray, my prayer today has been that, Lord, I pray that I really impact somebody's heart here tonight. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care how much scripture you've you've memorized, there are still parts of us that are broken. And until you recognize that, you're not going to go on the journey that you may need to, to go find the wholeness that you personally for yourself need. Now, that search for wholeness, once you recognize it, once you've tasted it, once you've seen it in somebody else's life, will make you go above and beyond what is normal in order to find normal. Amen? Amen? 
We have a situation like this. It's a very familiar portion of Scripture. We have a situation like this in Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Version. Starting in verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She's hemorrhaging for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years, and she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she, gotten, she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Verse 27, she had heard about Jesus. Now, can I stop here for a second? Because I just picked up something in my heart, in my spirit here. Please resist the temptation to say, I have heard this story so many times. The word of God is alive. The word of God will customize itself to fit the season that you're in right now. So please listen to this as if it's the first time you're hearing it. Amen. Verse 27. She had heard about Jesus. She went, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, another translation says, for she said to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Verse 29. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out for him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd, look at this crowd pressing on you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Most translations will say, your faith has made you whole. Same thing. Well, whole, healed, complete, intact, undamaged, not missing anything. You listening to what happened here? So listen, I said, once you taste that wholeness, it'll make you do things above and beyond what's normal to find normal. Now watch this now. She was so desperate for restoration. She's so desperate for wholeness that she put her life in danger by going out to find Jesus because the law of Moses forbid a woman in this condition to have any contact with anyone outside her home. She was considered unclean, similar to a leper. I want us to go back and focus on this verse 34. In the King James Version, he said to her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Go in what? Shalom. And be whole of thy plague. She needed to be restored. Listen, I want you to consider this. Twelve years. Twelve years. She's had to identify herself as unclean. Twelve years. She's not to come out of the house. Twelve years. She's been going to doctors. They can't tell her what's wrong. They can't find the problem. She's still paying them. That's a lot of emotional, physical, financial damage. She needed to be restored in every area, not just physical. Emotional, she needed to be restored from all the rejection, all the isolation. Her self-esteem needed to be restored. She suffered many things. Frustration of going to the doctors with no relief. She needed also to be restored financially. She spent everything she had. Her hemorrhage was physical. She bled for 12 years. But listen to me. 
Some people's hemorrhage is emotional. Some people's hemorrhaging is spiritual. Whenever it is manifesting, whatever it is, whatever area it's manifesting in, is still painful and life-threatening. Now, you and I have been created by God with a need for wholeness. What we need is peace and contentment. And what we usually stuff into that wound is busyness, entertainment, financial success, human relationships. We're always stuffing something in there except the one thing that we should be, and that's our relationship with the Lord God Almighty through the Lord Jesus Christ. And stuffing the word of God in there which is always going to produce wholeness. This busyness, this entertainment, this this dependency on other human beings is always going to bring disappointment because we're not made to obtain our wholeness from these things, but from God, our creator, who knows our makeup. I quoted Psalm 103 before the service tonight. Psalm 103 verse 13 goes on to say, as a father pities his children... So the Lord pities those who fear him, who stand in awe of him. For he knows our frame. Verse 14, look at that. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are just dust. He knows your frame. When I read that, when I, I, my mind always goes back to a circuit board. The intricacies of a circuit board or the little wiring that causes whatever that circuit board is plugged into to produce something, a picture, a plan, a network system, something like that. Here, God is saying to us, to every human being, I know how you're wired. You listening to me? He's saying, I know how you're wired. Now, we, not, we might not be able to understand each other. We, not be, we might not be able to appreciate what, what, what others have gone through, But God Almighty knows how you're wired. Listen to me. Take it further. God Almighty knows what you've been exposed to. God Almighty knows how you processed hurts in the past. God Almighty knows how you, what triggers you have. He knows how you think. He knows what certain situations are going to produce in you. And he has custom crafted a plan for your life to take you out of, the, out of the, the tragedies, out of the disappointments, out of the instability, out of all the dysfunction, and to bring you to a place of shalom, of wholeness. Amen. Are you getting this? I don't care who you are. Every one of us carries something on the inside of, of this. Nobody really knows me. Nobody really understands me. Nobody, you fill in the blanks. We all carry that on the inside. And that's why we try to explain ourselves. That's why we try to get people to understand us. That's why we express our opinions. That's why we try to navigate through things that that normally would trigger us and bring a very negative response. Are you listening to me? Am I talking to anybody tonight? It's wholeness that you and I crave. That woman was desperate. She needed affirmation. She needed to know, okay, your your disease is done now. 
You can come out of the house. You can start socializing with people. You can start opening up. You can start sharing what it was like to spend 12 years stuck in a house, bleeding constantly. Are you getting this? In Luke chapter 4, Jesus walks into the synagogue that he grew up in and reads from the book of Isaiah. Now, we read it in Luke chapter 4 in the New Testament, but Luke chapter 4 is quoting Isaiah 61. And this is what Jesus read when he walked into that that synagogue in his hometown on that Saturday morning. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Really, if you look that up, it's to preach good news to the vacant, to the empty. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody here ever going, going through any kind of brokenheartedness? Just, let me see, just one, two, three. Anybody here ever go, why do you make me do this all the time? <laughs> Anybody here ever go through any kind of brokenheartedness? He said, God sent him to what? To heal, to bring wholeness to the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Anybody here ever felt like you were in prison? Even though on the outside, even though on the outside everything, you put a big smile on, make believe everything's okay. But on the inside you feel like you're in jail? And the opening of prison to those who are bound. Anybody here ever? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Verse 2 says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. The day of vengeance of our God. God wants to take vengeance on the things that have brought instability to your soul. He loves you. He created you. He he hates the things that have infected your heart and that have inflicted that kind of pain on you. To console those who mourn in Zion. To comfort, I skipped that one part. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and here's the reason why, look at this next portion, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then it goes on to say, and once they receive that wholeness, once they become those strong trees of righteousness that are not moved by the wind, He said in verse 4, and they, who's the they? The ones now who walk in wholeness. The ones now who walk in stability. The ones now that are not moved by the wind. He said, they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. In other words, they're going to turn around and they're going to help others that are still living in ruins in their own soul. Are you getting this tonight? Now, the word for trees in Hebrew can can be translated a lot of different ways depending on the context. This could be translated as oaks, mighty oaks. It could be translated as mighty men, leaders, chiefs. But most often it's translated as a a ram. You know what a ram is? A, A ram is a strong animal that knocks down any obstacle you put in front of it. What does it do? Headbutts it. Doesn't even look for, just headbutts it. Knocks it down. He said, those, when they receive their wholeness, that's what they're going to be like. When they see obstacles in the way of somebody else getting 
whole, someone else becoming stable, what are they going to do? They're going to go head on. They're going to go right for it. You become a blessing in other people's lives. Listen to me. I don't care how damaged you've been. I don't care how broken you've been. The truth of the matter is Jesus takes broken, damaged people and makes them whole and strong again. Remember this. Remember this. Beautiful mosaics are made of broken pottery and shattered glass. But when you stand back, you see a beautiful picture. He came to comfort those who mourn, the brokenhearted. Luke chapter 7. Now it happened that day that he went to a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when they came near the gate of the city, behold, the dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. That's important. Hold on to that, okay? And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had what? Compassion. And said to her, do not weep. Do not weep. How do you tell somebody who's lost their only son, has lost their husband, is in this world now on their own, no support system, don't weep? Well, because he had an answer. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. What happened when that young man was restored to his mother? She was made whole again. There's support now. There's somebody to protect her. There's someone to care for her in her old age. He came to set free those who were captive to sin. In John chapter 8, you know the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act of adultery. This isn't a rumor. The religious leaders showed no mercy to her. They dragged her to Jesus in the temple in front of hundreds, possibly thousands of people there. And Jesus' response is recorded for us in John chapter 8, verse 7. When they persisted, the religious leaders, when they persisted asking him, he straightened and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Oh, I love this, love this. He wrote on the ground. Now, when they had heard this, they began leaving one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the center of the courtyard, and straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, do not sin any longer. Amen. A lot of us like this story. We don't like the last part of it. We don't like to go and sin no more part. We like to, hey, no, I don't condemn you. Why would Jesus say to her, go and sin no more? Because he wanted her to remain in that wholeness. He knows that these situations that she's put herself in, in adultery, have damaged her soul, damaged her emotions, damaged her ability to be intimate with an individual. She was held captive by sin, cast down by condemnation until she met Jesus. And Jesus restores the guilty, 
because his remedy was not punishment, but grace. Are you listening? God's remedy for sin is not punishment. He took the punishment and put it on Jesus. His remedy for sin is grace. But it's the grace that wakes us up and realize, I'm not doing right here. It's the grace that wakes us up and shakes us to realize this isn't pleasing to God. See, we think because the ground doesn't open and swallow us like it did in the Old Testament that we got away with it. Don't look at me like that. I know what you're thinking. We think, well, the ground didn't open up. Lightning bolts didn't strike me. I didn't, I didn't become a leper. We think, oh, well, God, it's not a big deal. God doesn't care. No, he cares very much. But you see, he took the punishment that you and I deserved and put it on his son. So what he's got left for us as his children is grace. Now, that grace comes in the form of a shaking, an awakening, an understanding. Like, maybe in my own mind, I've gotten away with this, but this isn't helping me. I need to shift. I need to change if I'm going to step into wholeness. You getting this? So remember Isaiah 61 I talked about before, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they, the restored ones, shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. I'm wrapping this up, so listen to me. Jesus makes us oaks of righteousness, strong. No longer shaking every time the wind comes by. No longer bending to every influence that comes across our lives. He makes us rescuers, restorers, just like him, so that he would be glorified. And once he brings us to a place of healing, to a place of peace and contentment, he makes us strong enough to go out there and rescue others. And Jesus said, the power of the Holy Spirit is on me to change you. The power of the Holy Spirit is on him to heal you, to deliver you, to transform you, to take your heavy hearts and to fill them with joy. But you've got to get your wholeness from him. Then go out and rescue others, bringing them that message of wholeness. Are you listening to me? It's a serious thing, folks. Because most of us have learned to tolerate our brokenness and have convinced ourselves this is just the way it's going to be. But it doesn't have to be that way. There is a wholeness that's waiting for us. Now, when we get to heaven, obviously, that's going to be the ultimate. Our bodies will be changed. We'll never have to deal with the temptation of sin again. We're not going to be affected by our past. But we're not there yet. And so I urge you, pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Pursue God the Father. Pursue his mercy. Pursue his, his grace. Let him have compassion on you. There's a scripture that comes to mind. I know it's in the book of Isaiah. Forgive me, I don't remember the address. But it says something like this. The Lord longs to show you compassion. The Lord longs 
to bring transformation into your life. He longs to do that. But guess what? He doesn't force it on any of us. We have to respond to that tug of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And sometimes it's as simple of speaking what God says about us instead of us repeating constantly the hurts, the wounds, the disappointments, the betrayals that we've suffered in our past. There comes a time that your soul recognizes this isn't helping anymore. I know there's some of us in this room that have been through horrible things, horrible stuff. I pray that you're coming into that season now where your soul craves wholeness more than grieving, more than sadness. I pray that. Are we going to do that song? Can we get the worship team up here, please? We sang a song before, and we're going to do that chorus, right? Um, I'm going to ask you, those of you who this message has touched your heart, and you realize you're in that season right now where it's shifting on the inside. You're like, I'm done with it. I don't want, to, I don't want this dysfunction anymore. I don't want to be sad all the time. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be wounded. I don't want to live in instability. I've lived with it too long. If that's you, would you get up, please, and come up here? We're going to sing this song, but I want to give you the opportunity to step out of the crowd and to say, and sing those songs. There's something about when we sing the truth that come from the Word of God, the truth that He's wanting to speak to us. There's something that changes on the inside of us when we speak those things. Would the rest of you please just take a moment on the inside. Close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes for a moment. And just, just ask the Holy Spirit, should I, should I respond to this? Holy Spirit. Remember, it's important for you to put yourself in the position where you can receive his compassion. Anybody else? Come and join us up here, please. Could you come this way, please? Now, I don't, know, I don't know how God's going to do it for you. All I know is this. When we'll speak what his will is for our life, it releases something on the inside of us for change. Would the rest of you please stand up and just in support of the individuals that have come forward here, would you sing together with us and sing it as if you're up here? Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, especially for those, Lord, that came forward. Father, whatever journey they're on, Lord God, whatever path that you're going to take them on, Father, as they pursue you for wholeness, for shalom, for completeness, Father God, I pray that each person will yield to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and allow you to come in and tweak the things that need to be tweaked, repair the things that are damaged, reinforce, Father God, 
the things that need to be reinforced. I speak wholeness over every individual here. Spirit, soul, and body, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're beginning this night. I thank you, God, that you perfect the things that concern us, God. I thank you that you're always working behind the scenes in our lives, Father. I thank you for those that you've assembled here tonight to be impacted by this message and by your presence, Father. And Lord, we look forward to the many reports of growth, of wholeness, of progress being made. We bless you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight.